Okay. I love that it says Tiege notes. I don't have a single clue what comes next. I think that's just your general mantra, isn't it right now? Oh. <laughs> oh, you really, really <laughs> are going for something there. <laughs> Fine, I'll put it as a cold open. Hello, and welcome to episode number 24, season three finale of the Admissions Director's Lunchcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ament, Vice President of Enrollment Management at Loyola University, New Orleans. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Teague Matil, Interim Assistant Vice President for Admission at DePaul University. Teague, season finale. How are you doing? I am well. Thank you. How are you, sir? Jeez, did you try to go to the opposite end there? That was pretty crazy. All right, here we go. See, it's going to be that type of day. Back on script. Tiggy, I'm great since today we're discussing making the move. <laughs> we got some great guests to help us out. Let's remind folks about the LunchCast. You're up. Absolutely. So each week, Nathan and I will bring in two guests, one influencer and one practitioner, to discuss a topic that is directly related to recruitment and admission. Our hope is that by the end of your lunch hour, you, the listener, will have a good enough handle on the topic that you can implement tactics quickly, maybe even this afternoon. All right. So today, listeners, we have Teej the Robot. If you're paying attention, he's just listening, reading off the script. <laughs> you were just complaining that I didn't read the script and when you asked how I was doing. Oh, my gosh. I can't. I just can't with you. All right. Back on. Who will be joining us this week to discuss making the move? Absolutely. This week, as our influencer guest, I'm so excited. We have Mary Napier, the founder and a search consultant at Napier Executive Search in DeLand, Florida. And as our practitioner guest, we have John McGreal, Dean of Enrollment Services at Waukesha County Technical College in Pewaukee, Wisconsin. There's a difference between Waukesha and Pewaukee. There's a lot of oh, there's a big difference, Nathan. Okay, a big just, difference. I know. I lived in Wisconsin for six years, but just a lot of W's going around in there. All right, season three finale. We are both excited, so let's get started. Well, Tej, this is a well-timed and exciting episode here for our season finale entitled Making the Move. Um, I know, well, you know, let's say the job market kind of goes on throughout the entire year. I don't know if there's necessarily seasons anymore, but mm -hmm. this is definitely a time when a lot of admissions professionals are either making the move because they've already committed to another institution and they're starting in the summertime, um, or they're looking at some options maybe over the summer as the dominoes start to fall, right? As people mm -hmm. leave positions and then other positions open up. Um, so we thought it would be a good topic to um, to address. And I tell you what, these two guests both come at this from completely different perspectives. I think everybody in the enrollment management world knows the name Mary Napier, um, mm -hmm. at the very least has seen the, the newsletters that she produces with her opportunities. Um, but she really has um, 
I would say, embraced the enrollment management search process um, mm -hmm. and has worked with um, so many different institutions um, and has worked with both of us personally in our careers um, as, mm -hmm. have, as we have looked at other opportunities, considered, interviewed for other opportunities and been placed um, in positions. So, Tej, um, what are you excited about um, for our interview with Mary? Yeah, I'm excited just for our listeners to kind of uh, hear from Mary the perspectives that she has. She's been involved in so many um, of these thought processes that we're all having about when to move on. Is this the right role? How does it impact my family? All of that. Um, and, and she has a lot of really good insights and perspectives that I think we can all consider as we're making our own determinations about um, what's, the, what's the, the best next step for us, right? Uh, she, she is so good at what she does and so good at drawing out of the people she's talking to, um, what it is they're trying to accomplish and, and what their goals are and how to, how to get the path or get on that path. I'm just so excited to introduce her, her to any of our listeners who have not yet had the opportunity. Yeah, I agreed a hundred percent. And then John McGreal, I know he's a colleague and friend of yours in Wisconsin. Um, I hadn't officially met him until we um, recorded this interview. Um, he comes at this from just such an interesting perspective, um, has a, a great story to tell about the yeah. different moves that he has made, um, primarily within the upper Midwest, um, primarily within, within Wisconsin. But I think it's a, it's a similar story that I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, have themselves or in the middle yep. of or whatever else. So for him to come in as our practitioner guest, share the, um, the different wins and losses <laughs> that he's had, um, <laughs> I think is great. Um, you know, anything that you're excited uh, about as we tee up that interview? Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you said it, uh, very well, but John, his journey has been fascinating and I've been there kind of hearing from him with, with every up and every down along the way. Um, and I, I just am so grateful that he was willing to, to come on the podcast and, and just, you know, bear his soul for our listeners and, and talk about, um, you know, what he learned from when he got the yeses versus what he learned from when he got the no's and how they all kind of came together for him. Yeah, I agree that I want to underscore that it, it really it's something when you have losses and we've all had them. I don't there's nobody in our profession or in any profession that hasn't been told no at least <laughs> once. Um, but to come on a podcast and to talk about that, um, I really appreciate that he agreed to it um, mm -hmm. because that's how I've approached my career path. I know that's how you've approached yours. Like every experience you have when you interview or put yourself out there should be a learning experience and it should be something that you can take away good or bad. Even if you get the job or get the offer and then you're at the job, inevitably it gets to the point where, um, you know, you're, you're there on the campus and people are like, oh yeah, well, I really thought this about you when you were presenting in front of the entire faculty <laughs> or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and now that's a different takeaway. Cause I know I better, like all of it is, is a learning experience, whether it's positive or negative. So I appreciate that he's, that he came on and, um, I, I think it's going to be a great interview. Nathan, I Our, think we should just get out of the way and let Mary and John take it from here. I'm just going to, you took the words out of my mouth as usual. Okay, so here's our conversations with our influencer guest, Mary Napier, followed by our conversation with our practitioner guest, John McGreal. As always, we hope you enjoy these discussions and we'll see you on the other side.
Well, Tej, I'm really excited for our first guest of this last episode of season three entitled Making the Move. Um, Mary Napier from the founder and search consultant at Napier Executive Search joins us from DeLand, Florida. Mary, welcome to the LunchCast. Thanks, Nathan. Glad to be here and uh, glad to be talking with both you and Tej this morning. Well, Tej and I um, have actually worked with you through our own careers and are very familiar um, with what you do at Napier Executive Search. But if you can give our listeners a little bit of your background um, and how you got into your current role, uh, that would be great. Thanks. Glad to do that. So um, my avocation when I was in college was to go into college admission work. And I think that was because I had a fantastic experience with an admission counselor who remains a, actually a friend and mentor today. Um, so for the first 16 years of my career, I worked in college admission first um, at Ripon College in Wisconsin, then the University of Tulsa in Oklahoma, earned my master's while I was there, and then became dean of admission and then associate vice president for enrollment management over both admission and financial aid at Stetson University in Florida. And uh, so those 16 years really gave me a wonderful foundation into the work of enrollment management, um, loved so much of it. Um, for nine years following that, I worked with NRCCUA um, in the higher education adjacent space. And through those experiences, it was a lot of fun to be able to get to know people from a 10 state region um, that I had in my purview over time um, and the network of people that I knew in, in the enrollment field began to grow. Um, I took a year to be an interim VP for enrollment at Manhattanville College in New York, which was um, a wonderful freeze frame moment. Um, great experience working with the team again and gave me just that same sense of real excitement of working with enrollment managers and, en and enrollment leaders. Um, and then I began my work 10 years ago, actually, in enrollment management searches, first with Terry Lottie of Lottie Search Consultants, and then founded Napier Executive Search in 2014. So uh, since 2014, we've had the distinct pleasure of working with about 135 different institutions across the country as they employ um, enrollment leaders, uh, directors of admission, financial aid, vice presidents for enrollment, um, and a variety of, of related areas. So that's, that's a bit about my journey. Well, I appreciate that. And I know having worked with you personally, um, having your experience, having sat in a VP chair and a director chair, or AVP chair, um, it really helps um, the, both the candidates and the institutions. Um, you have such a good understanding of where they're both coming from and trying to find that right fit. And I, I can speak personally. And then I also know that we've had a couple guests on this season that have said you've been one of their first calls if they've had an unfortunate situation um, come along or if they're looking to make a move because something else happened, a spouse needed to move or, or whatever else. So I know you have your pulse um, squarely on what is going on in the enrollment management field. Um, right now. So just go ahead and set the stage for us. What's the current state of mm -hmm. the enrollment job market and this industry? I mean, has the great resignation affected our industry as much as it has affected others? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a great question. Um, I, I believe it has. I mean, I think all of us um, were somewhat accustomed 
to a real cyclical rhythm of people onboarding in the summer and then departing in admissions and other enrollment positions in late spring or summer. Um, in the past, there were also conversations, um, standard quote unquote conversations about three or 30, meaning that people enter the field as a first job that lasts for about three years. And if they manage to make it past that mark, then there are great odds that they'll make of a, a career of it, you know, 30 years. Um, but I would say both of those standards have been disrupted for people at all levels with the great resignation. Um, we've noted that some people who have been close to retirement have moved to that step more quickly. Um, we've noted um, that some people at the middle stages of their career have been reassessing if and whether the ladder is what they want to climb. Um, and I think we've also seen um, an interesting thing that will continue to play out um, is that people at the outset of their careers have had a beginning like no other. So um, many were remote, many were without the same kinds of imprinting opportunities to connect with their team and with others in similar roles at other institutions. I, I really don't think any of it is bad. Um, but all of it is different. And um, anytime there's difference, uh, it means our industry needs to abandon assumptions that this is the way it is and it will always be. Um, personally, uh, I'm a big fan of each person assessing their career and their position and their path on an ongoing basis. So uh, in a way, it, it plays to what we think is really valuable uh, when we're working with people. Um, so even if people determine that where they're staying um, and following um, what was a standard direction, I think they'll be stronger in their roles than they were before. At least that's my hope. Um, each purpose, each person kind of purposely thinks about alignment. And when that happens, I think that's essential for the field to advance. Um, and for the field to advance, that means students are going to be served in a lot of ways. So for, for a little while, I think things will be in disruption. Um, but with disruption and the opposite side of that comes growth, um, clarity, commitment. Um, and there's really opportunity that will continue to be available for people who might not have previously thought about it. And and you, you all know that for those people who are thinking of stepping up, the opportunities are going to be plentiful. So I, I really think ultimately the industry will be fine um, and it will be better. That That's really helpful, Mary, the, the way you framed it that way. And I, I really just want to underscore what you said partway through the answer of how important you think it is for every professional on their own to evaluate their own path and their own trajectory for their own personal reasons. And um, I, I can attest to that being your, your mindset as well. I think it was almost five years ago where you and I sat down and you walked me through how to do that for myself. So um, <laughs> it's it's the way and you're right. It's really helpful even when you decide not to not to move on. Um, but Nathan, this is a, the most rough transition I can make. So I'll just lean into the rough transition to the question. <laughs> but you, Mary, you've helped so many of us um, make the transition often as a step up. When you talk with someone, how do you know when they're ready? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> um, I think the simple answer is that I know when they're ready to step up when they get out of their own heads. 
Um, so hmm. let me tell you, kind of unpack what I mean by that. So yeah. yes, please do, please do. <laughs> <laughs> so when somebody is ready, they've definitely done assessment. They've thought about it. They haven't just said, oh my gosh, my boss was promoted. So now I want my boss's position, but they've done an assessment about what's important for them. Um, when, when I am talking to people or when my colleagues are talking to people for senior leadership roles, um, somebody who's ready for that is looking more broadly than what's right in front of them. So for example, um, if they have had management opportunities, they can relate to how they've gotten better at those management opportunities. They've talked about how they've gained experience um, helping direct others. So it's not just about their career anymore, but it's about um, a, a wider field. Um, they have uh, looked at things like the tools that are available and they're able to talk about how they connect with innovation. Um, you look at any position announcement right now and innovation will be one of the first words that's going to pop up, <laughs> right? How have you done this differently from everyone else? But, but somebody who's doing the work well needs to be thinking about that all the time. Um, I also think somebody who is showing that they're ready can take a step back and see the trends and demographics, not just cite them, but have given thought to what that means for students they interact with and for their institutions. And, and that's that's a wider thing. Um, and you know, the final thing, because I mean, there's so many things that go into to being ready, but, but I think someone who's really ready to step up into a leadership role um, has taken steps to truly collaborate on campus. And, and that's more than somebody who can raise their hand and line up faculty for open houses, but they're people who are seeing how true partnerships will attract and yield students. And so that often means really deepening the relationships that go beyond an, uh, an admission office or a, even an enrollment division to the broader campus. Um, and so when those kind of boxes get ticked, then we kind of have a sense that someone is ready um, to, to explore. Does that jive with what I told you? I hope it does, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so let's say you have somebody that has um, decided they're ready and they've done all that reflection and you've led them or helped them through a search process and they've and that's that's a lengthy process right yeah. <laughs> it's not it's oh something that does take effort and time and dedication in addition to doing your own full-time job and having a family or whatever you have in your personal life but um so you've seen people go through this process and it's exhausting but maybe that it didn't work out in their favor right maybe they didn't land mm -hmm. as as they would hoped um what what advice do you have for them? I mean, I'm, you've certainly given me good advice. You've given Tej good advice. There's nobody in our field that hasn't been told no at least <laughs> once in in a right. search. So that that's a reality, right? Um, but what advice do you have for them in the moment? Um, mm -hmm. And then maybe as you continue um, to cultivate the relationships with these candidates um, throughout the years. Yeah. Well, um, the first thing I think is that patience is one of the hardest things. I know it's one of the hardest things for me, but um, having patience is really critical. Um, 
I would also say that I'm a big fan of Tom Petty and many of his truths. Uh, but one is the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, if there's a role that someone thinks they're ready for, but another person is selected, it really isn't a personal thing. Um, the advice I always offer is to give, give yourself some grace and see what lessons there are uh, by asking yourself lots of questions when you're ready. Um, so, you know, some of those questions are, are there skills or opportunities that I might have seen in myself developing at a new place that I can actually develop right there? Um, or are there challenges that I can volunteer for um, or offer to do where I sit? Um, and ultimately, does the clarity that I've just gained, I mean, it's hard to look at yourself, but you have to say, okay, what clarity have I gained? Um, does it strengthen, does it speak to strengthening some skill sets? Um, that could be in the financial aid area. It could be in the um, understanding pricing sensitivity. It could be in understanding staff development, um, you know, all kinds of things. But, um, but I, you know, I think ultimately, um, oh, sometimes it's really as clear as just starting on an advanced degree that you've been putting off. Um, and other times it could be um, having a pointed conversation with a boss or mentor that maybe you were nervous about before, but now you say, you know, um, I've got nothing to lose and everything to gain by um, an honest representation of where I'd like to see myself. Um, but, but here's what I think, you guys, really, is that basically every person who goes for it really should be congratulated for moving out of that comfort zone um, and use the bravery and the risk taking that some that it, that it took to get to that point and just build bridges and ultimately wait for the right situation that does present itself. And, and I think you've both been in this situation where all of a sudden you recognize that things truly have lined up the way they should. Um, and, and knowing that that moment will come as well, I think is, is a big part of it. Well, Mary, this has been a wonderful conversation, um, lived up to our expectations for sure. So we're really thankful that you decided to join the LunchCast here in the season three finale. Um, we're going to ask you the same questions we ask all our guests on the LunchCast. What are you working on next? And then how can folks get in touch with you um, should they want it to get into your database? Oh, I'm sorry, to continue the conversation. Wow, Nathan. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I, how can folks get in touch with you? Um, and then, you know, what, what are you working on next? Sure, sure. So the, the, truly the best way to get in touch with me is via email. Um, it's listed on our website, which is napiersearch.com. That's N-A-P-I-E-R search.com. Um, and my my email is real simple, mary.napier at napiersearch.com. But you know what we're working on next, um, we're really excited about a couple of new partnerships um, that are reflecting our commitment to strengthening people in their roles. So, for example, in the financial aid arena, we're partnering partnering with Blue Icon Advisors, which is a um, consulting arm for NASFA, and they add a personal coaching element to each new director of financial aid placement. 
Um, and with chief admission officers, we recently began working with Westfall exec advisors. And um, as part of our commitment to the institution, um, we provide a coaching package that um, Sarah Westfall um, and her team provide uh, to someone in their first chief enrollment officer role, for example. So um, it can be, and it's, it's all personalized to that person's strengths. And, um, and so, you know, we, we really, really do feel like um, our responsibility is to be a steward or to be stewards of the profession. And to do that well, people have to succeed. And so if there are tools that we can help provide, we really would like to do that. So that's that's where the and we continue to work with some great institutions on a variety of roles, as you pointed out. Um, some some are VP or chief enrollment officers. Some are AVP. Um, some are directors of graduate admissions. So just keep an eye on our board. Come back and visit often, and and let us know if there's something that is intriguing to you um, as a professional in the field of enrollment management. Well, I certainly, as somebody within the industry, and I speak for Tej, that um, we certainly appreciate the innovation you're continuing to do with the search process that could be mm -hmm. very stagnant if you were to just leave it alone. But I appreciate these two other value adds, and it sounds fascinating and will continue to, sounds like it will develop and support uh, professionals within our industry. And and then as always, just really respect and admire what you're doing for our industry mm -hmm. and how you're helping place folks um, at the right institution. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we really appreciate you joining the LaunchCast. Oh, it's it's been a real pleasure. And thank you to both of you for thinking of us and for providing this service to enrollment managers everywhere. Good job. Thanks, Mary. Well, Nathan, it's hard to believe, but we are at our last guest of season three, and we are fortunate this week to be joined by John McGreal, the Dean of Enrollment Services at Waukesha County Technical College in Pewaukee, Wisconsin. John, welcome to the LunchCast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Teach. Yeah, thanks again for being here. John, for the benefit of those who don't yet know you, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you found yourself in your current role? Yeah, so uh, I have pretty much the the typical college admissions origin story, right? I started off as an ambassador uh, being trained at the University of St. Francis and kind of fell into admissions once I realized that uh, teaching was not at all what I was uh, meant to do. Um, but anyway, I still wanted to work with students in some capacity. So I had a few conversations and started my career in admissions and 12 years or so later, here we are. So, John, here in Wisconsin, we've all kind of seen you and you've been recognized for, for many years as someone who's on the move, if you will. For those, again, who, who haven't seen the journey up close, can you walk us through um, in more detail your career path and focus specifically on when you knew it was time to take a step up? Yeah, so my first um, my first real admissions role started off at Rockford College. Um, they've now rebranded in their Rockford University. So, and I I spent my time there really trying to do what I could to get my hands on on a lot. So I had um, this territory, and I was going through that that first year and really kind of getting out and doing the the nuts and bolts of being an admissions counselor. 
And then about six months into the job, I was like, I feel like I could do more. Um, I want to do more and I need to be doing more to feel uh, fulfilled within the role. And so I started to have a conversation with my director and I said, hey, you know, I have this background in student life. I'd started our, our, our RHA at St. Francis. And I was like, hey, how about I work with student life and work on um, developing that relationship a little bit more? So luckily she was great and said, yep, go ahead. Like, here you go. Like, start that, have that conversation and and let's keep moving forward. Um, and uh, I also was able to, to really get my hands on things like rede redesigning the campus visit experience or... Um, you know, working on different different pieces of communication or evaluating what my territory looked like, really starting to do some of the things that I didn't know were more data oriented, but I discovered later. I had a session at, at a Midwest conference at some point and started to really kind of build that, that mindset of being then a mission counselor and working and crossing um, the campus to develop other relationships and partnerships. After about two years, I kind of was looking around and was like, okay, uh, the assistant director doesn't really seem like she's going anywhere. Uh, the director has been here for a while and doesn't seem like she's going anywhere. So what's next? And so I decided to start applying a little bit and got told no the first time of numerous and said, okay, well, maybe it's just not quite time to, to move on yet. So I was able to get a little bit more experience while I was at, at Rockford, again, really kind of helping to build the team. Then this opportunity with the University of Alabama came up and it was for a regional recruiter role that was going to land me in the city of Milwaukee. Um, so I ultimately got that role, went through their interview process, was there for about two years. Um, and during that time, during those two years, I had um, really laid the foundation for what, what I would learn to be kind of a lot of data analysis and territory building. And then from, from there, I really started to say, okay, I've kind of got this. I, I've got this mentality built. I'm doing really well. I've built this territory. It's thriving. Um, but how do, I, how do I get more concrete with it? Because what I realized was before it was a lot easier when I only had about 40 high schools to work with in Illinois and some travel in Wisconsin, mostly on the Wisconsin education fairs. But now I had about 800 high schools to manage. And how do you truly do that? Um, so taking that, all of that data and to refine it down into, into a, a codified, um, strategic plan for my territory. And that's where kind of the, the strategy stuff started. That was the next five years that I spent at the university of Alabama was really being in that, in that leadership role. It was, I was in Tuscaloosa in February, right before the pandemic started. And I had a conversation with. Uh, my director and my VP at the time saying, hey, I, I, I want more. I, I need more. I kind of got this response that I probably deep down knew, but very realistically uh, was hoping that I was going to be wrong. Um, and that was, hey, John, it's you need to move on. Um, it's not going to happen here for you. We're not going to have a remote senior leadership position available. And during that next um, really, you know, six to 10 months or so, that's when I started applying for different jobs and found myself at Bellin College up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I was able to take on a, a director role um, and really get my hands on uh, what it's like to sit in that chair, the, the wonderful things that come with it, the absolute stress, burden, and terrible things that can come with it as well. Um, but really find a find a good spot for me to grow as a as a leader and as a director specifically, right? 
as as I was there, I was able to really push myself forward and say, okay, what are what are some of the skills that I'm going that I need to develop while I'm here? Because it was a very comfortable setting where I had a VP who was extraordinarily supportive. And he was like, tell me what you need, right? What do what do we need to make this work? We're able to get a lot of things done. Um, some things that uh, you know, including, you know, implementing a CRM, you know, redesigning a scholarship process that's completely removing test scores from consideration at the institution, which to my research had only been done at a handful of places in the state of Wisconsin. So we were really excited about that work. In about June and July, my wife and I started having some conversations about a transition that she needed to make. And we started to look at, at different opportunities. And it was hard for me to do that because I was so new still at Bellin. Um, but I also was able to have a conversation with my VP and say, hey, this is coming. Like, I have to do this for my family. Um, you know, what can we work out? And he was going to be extraordinarily supportive and say, hey, yeah, you can, you can do some things remote. You can do some things in person. Uh, we'll figure it out. Um, but I also knew that, you know, with us moving really more towards the Milwaukee area, that was going to be a harsh commute for a little while. And so I started to really take stock of what I wanted internally in a role, as opposed to thinking just about what's that next step, right? So knowing that I had this position that I was going to be able to stay in if I wanted to, but what was going to be the right next step for me? Um, and what was going to match up with my core values of believing that higher education is a public good, of understanding that uh, we have to, um, you know, that, that we have to continue pro to progress higher education in a way that's going to serve more and more people beyond the typical um, students that have, you know, made their way to higher education, which have been historically overwhelmingly white um, overwhelmingly middle class, middle and upper class, right? So how, how do we do that? And then the opportunity at WCTC came up where I was able to see kind of this, this confluence of uh, pieces that I hadn't been able to kind of get my hands on before, where I was going to be able to oversee financial aid. So adding another piece to my portfolio that I didn't have before, admissions, their placement testing center, uh, the Welcome Center, and um, their full outreach and recruitment team, which we're in the process of kind of bringing this new enrollment services department together at this moment in time, because it's actually a brand new role. They haven't had this position before, which is uh, terribly exciting. I mean that concretely. It is both extremely exciting and uh, terrifying all at the same time to, to be responsible for, for doing that. So um, that's kind of where, where my career is, has gone and, and where we're at at this moment. John, I really appreciate that comprehensive deep dive into it. And I think a lot of us, um, or a lot of our listeners will find that it's familiar. One thing I really, um, kind of want to point out, and I think would be helpful to a lot of our listeners, it, you didn't just fall into each role that you applied for or immediately got all of those roles. I'm not trying to bring up areas here that maybe you uh that are maybe disappointing to you but i think the reality um i can tell you for all three of us on this podcast right now um is that you don't get every role that you apply for so in the moment um and and you and you you, you even mentioned it in your in your explanation there like not you heard not yet or it's not going to happen here or what do we need to do how did you bounce back from that? How did you take that and say, um, you know, and maybe 
I think either in a short-term mindset or in, and then in a long-term mindset, it's easy to look back on a career path and be like, yeah, that worked out. But in the moment, when you hear those words, it can be really tough. So um, give us a little bit of advice to some of our listeners about that. Yeah, it, it can be, it can be really, really hard after, after every time I didn't get a job, um, I would go through a day or two where I was just like, I'm no good, right? Like, I'm not good at this. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I should be looking externally. Maybe I should go work for a vendor. Maybe I should go do something else. Um, and luckily now I have a great support system and my wife is like, John, it's just a no. It doesn't mean that, that the career path is over for you really the, the the big thing for me and i would say for everyone is make sure you have that support system whether it's a spouse whether it's mentors in those moments where i was told no or or not yet or not here it it's hard one thing that i would always say is don't be afraid to ask the question right we say this all the time to the prospective students we work with but i think we don't necessarily take it to heart and so ask the question of what can i do better the next time and sometimes you'll get a really great answer um, sometimes you'll get, oh, the pool was very strong, right? And I think we all three probably have said <laughs> that at some point to somebody. Um, but sometimes you'll get a really good answer. Um, and so I got a great answer from that person. I also got a good answer the first time that I applied for a manager's role at Alabama, and that was a, a not yet. And they said, to, uh, my director at the time said to me, you really surprised us in the interview, but we need to see a little bit more from you. We need to see you step up with your team a little bit, take on leadership roles on projects and things like that. And so I very concretely took that advice to heart. So I went about taking those opportunities within the team. I also went about getting heavily involved in my ACAC uh, to get involved with government relations and conference and later join the president cycle and all those sorts of things that ended up spiraling because someone said to me, this is going to happen for you, but not quite yet. And here's what I think you need to do. Um, and and so those are some of the, the pieces that I would say. The other thing is I'll tell you, trust yourself um, that you do know what you're talking about. And sometimes it's not, just not the right moment. And, um, and finally, sorry, I feel like I've been rambling a little bit. But finally, what I would say is you often have um, some dissonance between when you think you're ready for the next step and when the universe or insert deity here, right, thinks you're ready for that next step. Because sometimes you're ready to move on a little bit sooner than you are. Um, and I know that when I was at Alabama, I thought for sure I was ready to move on a few different times. But for some reason, I was still there. And retrospectively, I can reflect on it very well now. In the moment, I was pissed. Um, but retrospectively, <laughs> uh, I was like, why can't I move on? Why can't I get out of here? Uh, mm -hmm. But retrospectively, I can say, yeah, I was here because I had to work on these different projects. I had to help move us test optional. I had to really work to redefine what a manager was at this institution. So it was more than just a, a retention tool, that it was actually an opportunity for someone to advance within the field. You know, John, one of the things we often tell students as they transition into college is that it's an opportunity to reinvent yourself, right? Nobody at, at your new college is going to remember the things that, you know, that I always say, the haircut your sophomore year or whatever happened at prom, <laughs> right? All of that is forgotten. 
from a professional perspective, going from one institution to another, how much have you found that that advice that we give to high school seniors um, applies to professionals moving from one institution to the other? I definitely think it applies. I don't know if it's reinventing yourself or just refining yourself a little bit. So my my leadership framework is probably what I would point to the most with this. That's what's evolved from role from institution to institution more than anything else. I don't think my personality has changed that much, mostly because I, I, I have a two-year-old. I don't have the energy to <laughs> completely overhaul my personality. But um, I, I think the, the leadership framework and the, the mindset you take can adjust significantly, especially when you're stepping into a new, whether it's a completely new role or an elevated role from where you were. Um, you have to approach it differently. So my mindset as a director of admissions is going to be very different to now my my mindset as a, a dean of enrollment services, where I not just have direct reports, but I have entire offices reporting to me now. And it's it's one that, and, and I think we probably all would agree, but it's one that you have to kind of figure out as you go a little bit too. But it does give you that chance to say, hey, what was a what was a tendency that I had in this previous role that I didn't like that like kind of felt comfortable a little bit there because mm-hmm. everyone got used to it to then be able to kind of uh, to sponge that away, if you will. I think you also have the chance to uh, take lessons and take them to heart again and say, okay, where where can I make a refinement in in my process, right? Did I need to do those one-on-ones every week with everybody? Probably didn't need to be every week. Probably could dial it back or you know, was um, was my approach on a specific topic a little bit different that I should have I should have adjusted moving forward. And so I, I think in, in some ways that that truly can apply um, because every, every every time you go someplace new, you get to kind of wipe the slate clean and really have that chance to say, OK, here's who I am now. Here's what I look like in this role, because your leadership is always going to change um, based off of your role, as well as um, your your mindset um, within that institution. That's fantastic. John, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for spending time to talk with us today. Uh, we always like to end with the same two questions, which is, John, what are you working on next? And for folks that want to continue the conversation, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, next, we're we're moving into we're moving into kind of summer now, which is going to be a, a big set of planning time uh, with two year schools. There's a start every semester, um, and sometimes it feels a little bit more often than that. So we'll definitely be kind of keeping our, our foot on the gas that way. But uh, looking just to continue to evolve what we do at WCTC. Um, perhaps read a book that doesn't sound like the pout pout fish or the good night train and um, uh, and just continue to uh, really kind of again continue to work on that leadership mentality right and making sure that I can be the best for for my staff so and if people want to get in touch with me I'm, I'm an open book my emails uh, jmcreal at wctc.edu um, or you can find me on Twitter at J-F-M-C-G-R-E-A-L. So J-F and then my last name, McGreal. John, thank you so much for joining us today.
Monday, then that was, again, just a fantastic episode. I will even say a fantastic season. Season three is in the bag. Uh, this episode, this season, Nathan, what stood out to you? Can you say big one more time? That was a great Wisconsin accent. I just, it made my heart warm. Nothing? Wow. Wow. Okay. This is how this is ending. This is how season three ends. <laughs> Not with a whimper, but with a bang. <laughs> with a bang? Okay. Anyway. All right. No. <laughs> a great, great set wow. of guests. This is it's gonna go awesome. It's gonna go. Yeah. Awesome. You're gonna cut all this. Like this nope. is all gonna be cut. Oh, son of a. Okay. Anyway, um, no, it really, I, I agree. Season three was awesome. Let's talk a little bit though about this particular episode. Um, I hope that there are some takeaways, obviously from uh, Mary's interview, uh, especially as I think you teed it up at the beginning. But I want to underscore. How do you think about your search and what is important to you and if you are ready for the next step and what you envision your next step to look like as opposed to just being reactive, right, um, to what's available and being choosy? Um, I think, you know, if you haven't met Mary or you haven't connected with Mary at either a conference or on a phone or on Zoom, um, everybody who's listening to this, um, please connect with her. Um, just so she can get a sense of where you envision your career going um, and uh, what might be next. It might not be two months from now. It might be two years from now, but start that conversation. I think that should be the biggest takeaway. And then with John, um, again, I know we talked about it at the opening, um, but just hearing his story again and um, listening to what he did right, what he did wrong, how he reacted to things, um, I thought the other interesting point um, that he made is just trying to dovetail this all together um, with his spouse that has a professional career as well um, and where that's put him and how they've really had to um, figure that out together as a family, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Yep. (laughs) You got nothing. (laughs) Well, here, here we are at the end of, end of season three. Just about this one, though, is is it, John, is it McGreal? Am I saying that last name correctly? Uh, <laughs> Nathan, do you remember? McGreal? McGreal? Yeah, see, you already, you already got John's last name better than you've got Connor's. Oh, my God, that was a deep cut. That was a deep cut to a couple episodes ago. And if any of you are actually still listening here at the end, kudos all right well season three is in the bag and um... stop it we've got a few summer <laughs> sessions queued up uh, some of these interviews will be longer um you'll get to hear them all in july nathan we've got it we've got to close this out i think we have to close it out it's going to be a great summer and excellent Heisen. Ellen Heisen. 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 man okay. i think <laughs> is it tiggy i think it's okay oh. all right all right here we are Hope you guys enjoyed season three. We'll be back with some summer sessions. I'm Nathan. I'm Tiggy. And that was the lunch cast. That's the first ever. I am totally putting that as my ringtone. Thanks, folks.
they get annoyed and what have what have you are you rolling the microphone across the table is that what's happening right now i was you know what it doesn't matter it doesn't matter 